This is the Bull Mountain Brothers Podcast. Does it classify you as an adult to own an umbrella? What's the other one you use? Grubhub or something? Grubhub? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not getting it for you. So now he's the yawn guy? We'd like to tell you about our friends over at Right on Trek, a new company that's innovating the outdoors. You know, they for sure are innovating the outdoors, like backpacking meals. I mean, they do, they're available nationwide now in stores, which is super cool. Everybody, you know, across the nation can get, uh, get their required meals they need for a certain outdoor adventure. The cool thing that they're doing over there too, is you can go to their website and you can, whatever fits your individual need for calorie count, you know, how many days you're going. People. Exactly. The number of people that uh, you got going on your trip, they'll, they'll help you through that. Um, you know, some people may not be uh, very, you know, keen on what food to bring, things like that. Right. Um, another bonus they're doing at Ride on Track is they got, uh, they got snacks that are, you know, they're... With each meal. Exactly. They're, that was a shock to us when we're seeing that because, we, you know, we've dealt with some competitors and things. And Well, it's funny because they're like, what is, do we add the cheese or do we just eat the cheese? Right, because we had a cheese stick on ours. And, you know, they got a bunch of other things they're putting on, you know, different meals. They got jerky, tuna, uh, I mean, nuts, crackers. I mean, all that essential high-dollar protein that you need on your outdoor adventures. Um they're another thing that separates them, which is really cool, is they're fresher ingredients. And it's it's truly like you're cooking in your kitchen on a Tuesday night getting ready to go to work the next day. Uh you it's not just add the boiling water to the meal. It's you can sit there and you can stir it, get your chef boy ID on. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it, it's 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 a cool experience and it was fun. It was definitely fun for us. Um they you know, also one thing that you guys gotta check out too is they are they have a uh mac and cheese rated number one by the Backpacker magazine, which is super cool. We have not tried that one yet, but we are all we're going to. Yeah, we're definitely going to try that. Now the other cool thing that they're doing at Ride on Trek it's called the Wilderness Edge. And basically what it is is a 24-hour, 24-7, excuse me, automated vending machine. You can walk up, check out everything you need. You can even reserve it in advance online. And so what you can get there, you can, it'll support your backpacking, camping, hiking gear, uh, bear spray, meals, uh, essentials, lighters, towels, all that good stuff you need for all your trips. Their first location for the Wilderness Edge will be in Glacier National Park, and it is going to be between the airport and the park entrance. They just wrapped up construction at the end of 2022. And they'll have some pictures of it later on in the spring. They also, if you are a guide, they offer a delivery service. So if you're within a 500-mile radius and you're a guide, you can set up with them to where they will deliver everything you need for clients and whatnot right then and there. If you'd like to get your hand on some right on trek meals, this is the best time out of the whole season. All of their meals right now are 14 to 40% off, uh, which is their 22 lineup. So they must be getting ready to gear up to to give to bring all of our audience even more um, amazing meals. If you guys are first-time buyers, make sure to use the code REVOLUTION25 at checkout to get 25% off your first order. 
And if you want to get to the website, you can go check out all of our social medias. Our link tree has the link. Click on the link, go there, put your meals in, get your use your promo code, and uh, you'll be good to go. So um, other than that, we have it uh, posted on our website too. So you can get linked from there too. If you're trying to get to the website, get straight to their meals, use our link. Um, and yeah, that's right on track. Audio. You're listening to the BMB Network, and this is the 60th podcast of the Bull Mountain Brothers. No way. What's up, boys? 60 episodes. You know, we almost have as much episodes as Matt is old. <laughs> we almost do. <laughs> right. Well, let's... Speaking of Matt, Matt is not here tonight. Is the three three amigos. Um, what have you guys been up to? Well, we just tried to record one, uh, one ad. For the last two hours. Ad, as I said during that, ads are the bane of our existence. You mean like commercials? Doing commercials? Yeah, like yeah, commercials. Well, you know, we've changed from doing our typical. We, we, I can't even say that because even us back when we were just doing audio ads was like brutal. Oh, yeah. I mean, why? Because we, we actually found an old SD card the other day. And it had 47 audio files on it. They're all like six and seven seconds long. Just Well, it's because we're too stubborn to write it down or like something like that. I think even sometimes we did write it down and we were just like... Uh, yeah, but why uh, Why is that? Because like now... Now that we're on the podcast... Now that we're doing this, like we're fine, <laughs> you know? But it, I don't know what it is. 47 takes later on every... But we've done maybe a couple dozen commercial slash ads and we've done... We also now went from one... Very serious, awesome, long time, ad read four. to four. Yeah, that's true. So now we're trying to figure that out and navigate through that adventure. Um, do you want to talk about them? Yeah, I think we could. Yeah, let's just, okay. So we're just going to start off with, obviously, you guys know the biggest friend of, friend of the podcast. Video. Yeah, it's a beautiful, nice, nice. Uh, these, these studio lights have really made it look I mean, they've also brought out every terrible feature of my face, but it's fine. Um, but we know Right on Trek is like our newest friends. They're uh, they're awesome. We just did a whole ad read on them, so I'm not going to go into depth. Um, but if you guys haven't listened to episode 10? Uh, yeah, episode uh, season 2, episode 10 with uh, Victoria. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Make sure you listen to that one. That was a great podcast. That tells you everything you know about Right on Trek. But this is Emil right here. Make sure to go check out. We're gonna there's gonna be an ad reading, like I don't know, right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Ramsey, edit that in. <laughs> um, check them out. Um, the next one we're doing, which would be like the next step, would be, yeah. Go ahead. It would it it'd definitely be beer brand. Beer brand for sure. Yeah. Even though I got yeah, rid of my mustache, mustache brand. Mustache brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beerbrand.com. They're I mean, uh, relatively speaking, they're actually the biggest that we're affiliates of yeah um but Social they're, media they're not as wise. they're not as like friendly close as we are like right on track's like that's like well yeah and that that's like the, our boys the and girls the difference between right on track though is you know we you we know sat down and talked talk to the ceo of that company and you know they're a growing company and they're in the early stages of you know what they're trying to bring to the outdoor world you know and you know the other thing that we've talked about a lot is like is matching our analytics and our genre of podcast a big thing? And I don't, I mean, I don't know if it really is. No, but I think we've really found companies that like 
fit our at least personal narrative. Yeah. Um, that we like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put a company on here that I didn't really like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, th- they just be just to get the, whatever we're going to get from it. And I think kind of our initial impression on, on, you know, emailing with beard brand was, um, well, you're talking to four dudes with beards, you know what I mean? So it was like, yeah, this is going to be great. And, you know, we got a lot of friends that I got, you know, you know, lodge crew member, Chad Logger, big beard guy. I uh discussed this uh you know affiliation I bet with him. Stoked. And he was I mean the dude is like he grooms the shit out of his oh, beard. Yeah. And you know to those people it's fantastic. Yeah, so stay tuned for we're kind of working on that ad. I'm not really sure um I think they're running something with us so I can get a gift or something if you use our link. Um our link is not set up yet. So it might be like next week's podcast that we'll have this figured out, but right on Trex is definitely figured out. So on our website, it's on all of our social medias. Um, that link is all ready to go. And um, the third one you guys already know and love FNH contracting and fence out of Billings, Montana. Um, you hear them every podcast for the last year. So I don't think I have to go into too much depth on that. They were on episode eight. Does that sound right? Episode eight. Mm, seven seven so they were on episode seven of season two uh if you want to check those guys out and little you know tell them give them a call tell them the bull mountain brother sent you and they'll probably help you out with some sort of um free quote or something like that um and then lastly would be do you guys know just random headbanger headbanger lures which is really exciting for me because that's like i always like to have equipment you know what i mean and equipment that we can give you know most of our listeners are hunters, fishers, outdoorsmen, whatever. So, you know, all of our outdoorsmen are able to get meals. You know, most people are trying to eat meals on the road. Um, most of our analytics are mostly men. Um, so the beard thing works out pretty well. And, you know, if you need a fence, you need a fence. But lures, fishing lures is something cool. Something that we could get behind and push. Me personally, as a fly fisherman, this doesn't do a lot for my personal agenda, but for as a company and a bunch of guys that are getting way more into walleye and pike fishing, this is exciting to me. I mean, even bass fishing, I think they got a lot of stuff set up for that too. I mean, we've talked before about we're going to get the boat ready this year and Riley's bought a rod. I've bought two rods. Sean's in the process of building a rod. Uh, For spring? Fixing. Fixing a rod. I got to fix one. Yeah. But no, I, I, yeah, I got the... I'm in the process of building two flipping sticks right now. So, right. yeah, which spinning rods and like bait casters and stuff, so not really my world. Like ice fishing was the closest I got to a spinning rod for a while now. So it's kind of a new adventure for me to get into the spinning rod world. You know, and the other thing too, I'm excited to get, I'm going to get Riley in for sure this upcoming, you know, major fishing season into true predator fishing with a spinning rod and i think he's gonna really like it you know targeting pike and tigers and things like that like it's so much fun yeah i think i'll like it too i think that uh you know anytime you can get that little bit of adrenaline with something tugging on the rod it doesn't really matter Well, it's a lot different than just catching a you know a rainbow trout on a panther martin or something you know it's it's a lot i don't do that either but yeah (laughs) (laughs) well you've done that before i have yeah Yeah, there was a time we grew up that's how we grew up honestly dad had a tackle box full of i knew we knew nothing other than shore fishing with uh you either went out there and used a 
a weight and a worm or you use the lure. I mean, that's... Wow. That's, that's not the wrong way to fish? It's a very unexciting. necessarily... There's more efficient ways of fishing. It's a lazy man. And it's a, and it's yeah. a whole nother ball game once you get on a boat, too. Oh, for sure. I mean, just... The thing, though, that you can take from it is targeting species within that fishing as well, just the same way you do with fly fishing. But I don't know if you've ever explored that realm, you know, as being a, the addiction of fly fishing to the same kind of stuff with a spinning rod. No, I've never have. So I, I, I get... It'll be fun. You're right. You're on the right lines of like, it's it's exciting for me to think about like I could find... And I actually, when we did our bingo night um, at the Squire Lounge, I had some old friends... We just kind of sat at the bar afterwards and talked about fishing. And those guys are like hardcore um, spinning rod guys. Yeah. And they kind of talked to me about what they do. And like they got me excited too, just to kind of hear their input on, you know, using this, this Rapala. And then it's like, it's very similar to fly fishing in a way because you're like, I want to use this fly. It's all representation, you know? Yeah. I mean, what, what would you want to eat? Right. Type of thing. Now, transitioning from that did we also didn't bring up the whole thing about uh recently we haven't brought up the spring fishing that we're the somewhat video series that we're trying to do oh yeah this is exciting stuff me and sean took our first crack at outdoor vlogs yeah i mean we we've attempted to make them in the past and they just kind of we got too into what we were doing to actually remember to pick up the camera and record. Mm-hmm. Or I think there was a big part of like just pulling the trigger to like just do it. You know what I mean? Like I think the fact that you guys reviewed a meal, like you felt compelled to bring that to right on trick. Otherwise, you might have just like done the same thing we've done in the past. We're like, I have this video, but I'm not really sure if I want to just start putting out personal videos. It's, it's not easy to do. It's It's really not. And I... Damn piece of grass in the middle of that video the entire time drives me nuts. So definitely have to. Well, you get to learn from it like you do anything else. Right. Definitely bring a tripod on the next one. Right. Yeah. So that's going to be super exciting. Everything we do in the outdoors, we're going to try to document, talk about it. We definitely will be reviewing more of these meals because I actually had a lot of fun doing that. I did. I think, I think all it can really do is benefit our, you know, It'll give you, the listeners and the watchers and everything, it'll give you more of an array of stuff to watch other than just the podcast. And even like we talked about, I don't even know how many weeks ago it was about the spring fishing, doing the vlog on rebuilding the bass track or things like that. Like that's, we want to do that. I mean, I I think we find joy in that and it's... It's all easy, digestible content. It's oh, five yeah. to ten minute content. You know, you don't have to sit down and try to watch a, an hour and fifty minute video. Right. So, and you can kind of see what you guys are working on, which is cool. Yeah, it's it's very. I'm excited about say, that boat. It is difficult though to do do those things at the stage we're at. Well, yeah, because you just you like I said, you get so wound up in doing what you're doing, yeah, yeah. it's hard to stop and be like, okay, we need to video this. Which you ran into that quite a bit last hunting season, didn't you? What's that? Like, you know, being too intermingled. We've talked about it before, but like being too invested in the actual hunt than to like pull your phone. Like we talked about it with uh, Trevor from Outdoor Drive. Yeah. So this actually brings me to another thing that I just thought of. I was watching a, I was watching a TikTok today 
And it's one of those days where you like watch TikTok and the, the algorithm sends you into very similar stuff. Um, and I kept getting like all these outdoor podcasts that I've like hunting podcasts I've never seen before. And I was like, every time I see that, it like makes me feel like, God, we're such an inflated market anymore on like, there's so many of us out here doing similar things, but, um, it's kind of cool. There's a lot of guys out there that are just trying to turn this adventure into a, you know, show people their passion. But anyways, I was watching this. I actually stopped and watched one and they talked about how, um, I think their question and I, I, Forgive me if you ever listen to this. I don't remember the name of your podcast. It was just something I glanced at, but I thought it was interesting. They were talking about, um, like, does... I remember exactly what they asked each other. It was, do you think that if there was no social media and people couldn't show their trophies, would there be a high percentage of people that wouldn't hunt? Ooh. Well, I don't, I don't know if would it would be, be a high percentage, but I, I definitely think it would be a noticeable number. Well, yeah, and I know. guess why I brought this up was because they ended up talking about, like, I did, I hunted before social media, right? Right. And there's people that hunted after social media. Um, and how was I tying this? What were we talking about? How was I, I'm trying to figure out how I was tying this to... Well, we, we segued with uh, not remembering to video stuff. Yeah, and so I guess the what I'm trying to compare here is I hunted before I did the media stuff. So my passion for the hunting is still in the hunting. Like my like excitement for bugling elk and stuff like that. So I get so wrapped up in watching the animals and trying to perform this thing. Cause at the end of the day for hunting for me has always been, you only get one time of the year to do this one particular thing and to put all your effort into it. If you mess any one moment up, like it could ruin your whole season. You know, the, Going off of what you just said about like post social media guys and you know guys before social media, do you think though? Like I know a lot of guys that were those type of guys that were pre social media that hunted, but they have all those you know printed pictures. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, Dad used to carry his. You've seen his yeah. camera. He used to carry that in the truck with us specifically for memories his would end up in his toolbox at work right but you know it's kind of funny to think about though as far as the guys that i know and the way that i am i don't i would say i mean ramsey at least i know is probably about i mean he does pull his phone out a lot more than i do and on outdoor adventure stuff but even still i feel like those guys still not that much i feel like those guys took more pictures with their you know their cameras than we did with our phone right and i guess like i said the statement that they made was um, if you couldn't show people what you did, would there still be hunters? You know what I'm saying? And um, I think there is a lot of people out there that wouldn't do I it. I do too. I because I, 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 I know I've heard stories like there's a lot of people that aren't eating a lot of what they're taking. Like they're only out there to kill horns. So do you think the reason? Ramsey and I are an opposite, like, and you too. Like, we're all like, we live off of elk, so it's right. such a different thing for me to like. I don't fit. We don't fit that like realm. I feel like. So my only thing is, is do you guys like when you're scrolling through social media and you see like a uh, <laughs> what just happened? Ramsey hates it when I grab the switcher, but I was trying to get it to all of us. <laughs> but wow. 
you know, like when you see those videos or pictures on social media of other guys like hunting and let's say, you know, these bigger companies and, you know, even these bigger, you know, uh, influencers that are revolved in the outdoor media world, when they're posting a video, which I know like Hush does it, they do this a lot where it'll be March and you'll watch a video on their Instagram and it's of a, you know, a quick flash of them like shooting a huge bull. I think the biggest thing that social media does is does that not get you excited for September? And I think that is the biggest bonus of social media, which year round content. I hate to say, but there's a term for that. A very um, PG-13 term for that. It's hunting porn. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Well, and it's true, though. It does. Like, when I see a video, even like those, like, uh, um, you look at uh, some magazines that do outdoor stuff, like uh, Eastman's and stuff. They're not out there hunting, but they could very well have a vlog film or, you know, a piece wrote about a... 195 inch mule deer that's roaming a range you know or like an elk or something like that and it's like even like reading that in like june you're like i need to be shooting my bow tomorrow i'm like holy shit yeah and if if you weren't gonna go that this direction with it i was gonna say the same thing i think that what it does for us and like i think like most of the people we hunt with are very like-minded like when i look at social media content i'm not doing it like okay Yes, is it really cool to share, like, uh, so I shot that bowl last year. Was it cool for me to share that with everybody? And it felt like some sort of, you know, cool thing for people to see that I accomplished that? Yeah. But would I have been just as happy if I social media didn't exist? Yeah, because I know the personal hard work, like, basically the, the trials and tribulations you have to go to to get to that moment, I didn't need it. Like, it, it wouldn't, it didn't make my adventure to post it on social media. You know what I'm saying? Do you think though, to some people that it does a hundred percent, Oh yeah. you know that like, cause, and I think that anyone can get wrapped up into it. I'm not going to say that I personally haven't got wrapped up into it, but if you go through the, like the years of like kind of how social media has developed and how like the hunting world's developed, you can see, like, let's say you're in a community, right? And you are followed by, a bunch of outdoorsmen and you follow a bunch of local outdoorsmen, you knew him through high school, whatever. Um, and you see him post like a picture of like a little shed and then he picks up a bigger shed like the next year. Like people are every year upgrading, right? And it's upgrading on their social medias. And then you see competitiveness. People are trying to do the same thing, right? And I see that very often. It's almost, no, like what you're saying is like the evolution of a of a hunter's you know background and it, you can see it yeah is like you're getting your like yeah. your hunting portfolio even it, displayed like, on Instagram. let's look let's just put this in into perspective here riley rutschke you know pre bull mount brothers where he's not you know he may post about outdoors things like that you but, rarely posted I post like once a year on Instagram. Right. So let's just take this though, an example. You are an outdoors guy. Majority of the year you're doing shit that, you know, obviously. Revolves around it. Right. Now let's just say you're in a perfect world. You're the, you're a guy that posts 
about every adventure that you do, whether it be every weekend or, you know, every, you miss one week in a month. Now, the evolution through that is what, even though you're not an influencer, you're just a guy that you may have a lot of followers because you know a lot of people in Montana in that area. Mm -hmm. People still enjoy that shit because they're like, holy cow, like, let's go back to 2014, Riley Rutschke's Instagram. And it's like, you know, he was out and he was shooting, he'd shot a dink mule deer or something. Or, you know, he was out shooting or hunting, posted a picture, never shot anything. And then you get to like, you know, that 10 years later, and it's like the evolution of you as as that outdoorsman, people can see that shit. And that's yeah. that's the coolest thing. Yeah, and I, I would say I'd hope a lot of people would look at it that way. I don't think they would. I think that, like, unfortunately, I think people would, like, be like, oh, this guy, whatever. Because um, I think, like, the hunting, the hunting community can get a little toxic, I feel like. Just there's so many different age groups, mindsets, stuff like that. But, see, I even look at, like, Logic Remember Josh, right? His Instagram looks like one of the best like fly fishing and like influencers you could ever see. Right. And we sprinkled in with some really good hunting stuff. I always tell them all the time. I'm like, dude, you could, you should like bump your Instagram because you could probably make a business out of like, like how good your shit looks. But he, he, he doesn't do it for that. You know, he does it for like to save his memories and stuff because he's a lot like us where, um, like it's just the memory that makes you know the 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 situation that makes that makes the whole deal anyway. You know what the sad thing about that is is a guy like Josh who is truly truly a a list outdoorsman. You know he's good at everything he does, and then you can get a guy that you know is the same level as Josh, right? That doesn't post anything. And the sad thing is is in the public eye. If that guy's telling you the story versus you being able to hear the story after you saw an Instagram post from him, it's a lot different. I mean, they don't, yeah. they may not believe a lot of this, you know, in that, which sucks. And that's the, that's a negative you take away from the, the outdoors community and social but media. But I could bet you a million dollars right this second that if someone destroyed my Instagram, my Facebook, all my social medias, Come September fourth or fifth, whatever, I'm still in the elk woods. Still doing the same I'm thing. still doing the exact oh, same sure. thing, and I don't even need to take a picture of it. Right, and you know, I'm one of those people for sure that I never, ever take. You don't post anything ever. I don't. Well, I, I, you know, I'll tell you from experience. Ninety percent of the time, unless we're getting split up and we need to make a plan of where to meet each other, Sean leaves his phone in the ranger. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, the the only the only reason. Truly, which this is just this, you know, how I operate and how I have um, in the past is the only thing I use my phone for is Onyx. And now I'm getting better because obviously what we're doing here at B&B and things like that, like, well, now you're almost forced to do something. Well, and I do, I do like to because, you know. A perfect example is on our shed hunting trip. When Sean saw those elk, the first thing he reached for was the binoculars. The first thing I reached for was my phone. Yeah, it was. And not to say that I'm the kind of person that, but you always have been, you you, like in our outdoor adventures together, us hunting the last, you know, however many years is you pull your phone out more. So obviously than I do, which is good. But the problem that I see with it, and I wonder if some other people that have the same thing that I do, that it's really cool though when you take those pictures that you don't you know you didn't need to take a picture then 
But like all those pictures I took from elk camp last, you know, last year, mm-hmm. I could be sitting in bed one night and just look through and be like, holy shit. And then, oh my gosh, that sparks a memory mm-hmm. from, you know, it, it, that's super cool. And that's a benefit of that. So something that I started doing that I don't even, I don't even tell people about because it's, it's for me and Ramsey. And then obviously whoever would come to our home, we've kind of like done some upgrades at the house and, and, you know, got more into, you know, as adults, they always, you know, when I first got a house. I didn't realize that you're supposed to have like decor, like it was, you had to have decorations and shit everywhere, or you were like basically considered like a bachelor in a frat house. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, like, recently we really tried to like doll it up, you know? And something that I really wanted to do was get like big album collage, like big collage photo album. Like, am I saying that right? Photo album. I guess. Like a yeah. photo picture thing. You know, like those things that have like, uh, 15 different slots to put pictures in and put on the wall. Um, I'm doing like a bunch of those and it's just pictures from hunting, like outdoor stuff from like the last 15 years, right? There could, there's definitely, there's pictures of us together, pictures of like my friends that I've gone hunting and stuff. Dad. Dad, like stuff like that. And it's like, I can walk through the house and just sit there and look at it and be like, man, that was the same thing. You look at it and it sparks a memory and you're like, yeah, yeah, you did that. that, Just a super cool part about it, which I... Now tie this into Instagram. It's the same thing. It is on your phone. It's a way to document like, and that's how it is for me. I know it isn't for a lot of people. Like they use Instagram as a business or like to, to brag or stuff like that. But for me, Instagram, like I got pictures on Instagram that I will never, ever, ever be able to recover if my Instagram dies. Right. Stuff from like high school and stuff like that. Right. Is there, do you guys like, I know this is kind of like counterintuitive to talk about on a media company, but do you, do you feel like that some people's Instagram is like, run by narcissism i mean honestly as far as what like, i think there's a lot of people out there that are like hey look at me yeah look you know like that's the kind of thing that oh 100 percent. that's the way i kind of look at social media which is you know it sucks and we always talk about doing things differently at bnb and it, it's true because we 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 strive to do things differently than everybody else and as you can tell from our content we've definitely focused more on the hunting and fishing side of things over the uh recording the oh yeah and fishing side of things but yeah which, which i think that is like that's that's, a, that's not our fault it's more so it's how we it's difficult it's the way we started for the three of us to be able to go out and do a hunt and for our technological inadvantages that we have is that a word do you think that's really it? I think so. And that's a word. I think I no, I do I do because I more so wonder if there's a oh there's an aura over us as far as recording outdoor stuff that we're a little bit nervous on recording something and being super awesome, but then watching it back and being like, God, oh, that, that looks like garbage. shit. Yeah, like we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> exactly. But that's- my thing is is like I, I get what you're saying that we've been very focused on just pushing the podcast, telling stories, talking about things we did instead of having like actual, now this is going to sound literally, I'm going to go basically like I'm going against the whole conversation, but I'm not because we're talking about people being narcissistic and this, I hope this doesn't come off narcissistic, but in real aspect, if we wanted to, if let's say we had a camera guy with the opportunities that I have and we have, we could film some of the best hunting 
videos on the planet. Oh, easily. With the, just like you said, every opportunity that the, the four of us have, I mean, we could film some of the coolest shit that people, I mean, honestly, as far as the state goes, could ever I see. Mean, just looking at like our trek when we were uh, hunting with Chad. Oh, yeah. That entire story and the struggles that we had to do, that would have been a really cool film. I mean, yeah. But this is where it keeps coming back to what we talk about. Pre-hunters, pre-media. Yeah. And I just get to the point where like, yeah, I want to film every single, every single thing we do. But then it's like, I just get too, I get so spiritual with it that I'm like, I don't want to lose that thing that makes me feel amazing about the outdoors and where I'm, you know what I mean? Well, you, you know, the biggest thing too about the reason why we don't is because, I mean, if we're going to be honest, we're still, and Riley says it all the time, we're still trying to master our craft as individual outdoorsmen. And we're not to the point of, let's say that if we were, you know, in our 50s and we had done everything that we wanted to do, how much easier would it be to pull out a camera and just record in any situation ever? It would, but right now, the problem that we are struggling with is we're an outdoors media company, but yet we're still trying to perfect our craft. And so we, when we go out doing anything in the outdoors revolving hunting and fishing, we're not so focused on the the recording of it because I'm sitting there trying to figure out why can't I get this elk to come into me when I'm bugling at him? Why can't this turkey just come in so I can shoot him with a bow and then I'll feel better? You know, that's, that is honestly our problem that we have with, with recording. And obviously we don't have the, the means to, well, I mean, we do and we don't, but have a camera guy that comes with us that his sole job is on that. And I think we've changed a lot in, you know, the present day of B&B because now we're more focused on, we need to offer things on, you know, especially us going full-time YouTube, things like that. It's like, not saying we're going to put our, our craft on hold, but we're going to just meld with it. You know what I mean? We're going to join together. And that conversation we have with Trevor from Outdoor Podcast or Outdoor Drive, that was amazing. I mean, how he basically said, like, you know, it was really hard for me to be able to, you know, put the bow down and bring the camera up. But now he's kind of switched after he's been in it for a while. Is like, I, I would rather pick the camera up than the bow. And we're, we just got to get to and that. And just point. for the simple fact of capturing that story. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. I've always thought about that too. Even like when we were kids, I always thought about like, what if we had like, like actual V, like this was back when there was, what's the block thing that you put in the TV? VHS. VHS. Like we the had a little block thing that you put in the TV. <laughs> Jeez, you sounded like a freaking 19 year old right there. Dad, what is this? It's a VHS. What the hell is a VHS? <laughs> <laughs> um, like I always like envisioned us having like these a camera crew following us. Or? No, just like we could like video hunts and stuff, and then have like oh, uh, Riley and Riley's or Dad's deer 2013 or 2010 yeah. or whatever. Obviously, that never happened, but now you're maybe now. Your phone and yeah, but the thing down. is though, is if we had two guys that could follow us around, it would be great film. I mean, it would be fantastic. Be amazing. 
But, but the pro- uh, yeah, there's the- another problem that lies here, and I think you're going to dive right into it. I don't want to bring 500 people to our hunting spot. Exactly. And, I, and that may be very, we've had this conversation before, that may came, come off, uh, er, what am I trying to say here, like arrogant and... It's um, not, though. It's not. Because especially, you know, obviously you professionally do a business for the property that, that you know, two leggings... Um, Outfits. Well, even along the lines of what we're talking about, social media, in today's world with Onyx and everything, you have to kind of like protect your spots because if you don't and then it gets out, you might not have a good spot. Well, and this is a good thing to talk about because like a lot of people think that like you're just trying to gate, gatekeep your spot so no one can also hunt it. Well, that's not it. When you get, and this is what I've, Ramsey and I have, and, and Sean, we've all gone out and asked for permission and eventually gained some sort of um, relationship, relationship, legiance, whatever you want to call it, to the landowner to keep coming out. And with that comes a lot of responsibility. Now, if I'm going to go out hunting and then I start bringing one guy and then I start bringing another guy and then he brings another guy and eventually you start to run out of that responsibility and what can happen is some guy just shows up and says, hey, like, Name drop. I'm I'm friends with Billy Bob, and they said I could hunt. Here. And they said I could hunt here. And then they go out and they like tear up a trail or something like that. And then it comes all the way back to you, and you lose it all. That's like that's our biggest thing. That we we run into that Ramsey and I run into that a lot is because the Narnia spot. Yes, we have. There is some friends of the podcast that have been out there before. Some now. The problem is, is just like Riley said, is everybody that we are friends with that may or may not be their, their toe is in the, the outdoor realm. They like hunting. They go, well, you know, you guys got a great spot. I want to, you know, I want to go hunting with you. And you have those people that are like, where do I put in for tags? You know, yeah. and Ramsey and I have like this huge, huge respect for what we're doing when it comes you know, pre-April 1st type stuff. And it's like... And we're... I'm almost loyal to a fault. Like, this property that Sean's talked about is I've had it for, what, six years now? Okay, yeah. Oh, you've had some properties for 20 years. Right. This property, in, even with my other properties, I will ask for permission every single time I go out there. Right. I will never just... Unless... If I'm not hunting, like if I'm just going to go see them and talk to them, whatever, I'll show up unannounced because I'll make sure they're home first or whatever. But every single time I plan on going out there, I will call days in advance, be like, hey, what do you guys got going on? Will I be interrupting if I show up? Yada, yada, yada. Every single time. I will never show up unannounced. Yeah. And we do that. Like I even like when I kind of bring up a outdoor adventure that we're going to do, like I, I, just did the other night about mm-hmm. what we're going to do in two weeks. And I don't, I'm not like, I'm like, yeah, let's plan on it, you know? And I'm like, well, hey, why don't you get a hold of the landowners and, you know, make sure they got, no, you know, nothing is going to be, you know, impeding on them or I anything. I mean, as far as like even road conditions, because there's roads on their property that I want to drive on, be like, hey, is it going to be muddy? And if they're like, yeah, it's going to be muddy, they'll be like, well, we're either not going to go or we're going to walk in. Right. And that's the cool thing, though, because and this is a great lesson in landowner to hunter 
interference. Sure. Yeah. What you guys are talking about right now. Yeah, and the, you know the cool thing is is that was trial and error is is when we learned like times when not to drive on roads, right. when not to go into certain places, and it was the you know the correct way that we proceeded ourselves in that situation because if honestly in let's say you, we were all four together it was you us three and Warren and we were out there and we were going down you know that one section trying to get to another um basically open field to kind of you know look for deer and we went through there and we went we're probably never going to do this again because of the road condition you know what i mean and like it, it like there's things like that that people i and and even so, like, it's not even just, first and foremost, it's to respect the landowners, but also, I don't want to drive on a rutted out road Yeah, further down the line. Right. I'm doing it for them first, but I'm also doing it for yeah, myself. Yeah, you like seeing the land look good, not torn to shit. I mean, right. me and me and Riley were both Boy Scouts, and one of the, the biggest things that they do is leave no trace. Right. And it, it's so ingrained in me now that I'm like, it, even if I see trash... You know, that's not mine. I'm like, oh, you better hop out and grab that bottle or right. whatever. You know, and, and circling back to the what brought us to this conversation is is it is kind of tough for us being a media company on especially that section area that we hunt out is to be able to post things on social media. And it's tough because yeah. I the honestly, any area any area you could post a picture somewhere up in the breaks and somebody's gonna know, oh, exactly. I know exactly where that yeah is. you know it's it's <laughs> tough yeah. it's hard to not get geographical features in something there because because what you don't want to do is like let's say we show this podcast to 500 people right one of those 500 people see a geographical thing they've seen before and then all of a sudden they're hounding the landowner right and they're like hey i know these guys and there's just so much responsibility that goes with it and it's like again I know how hard it was because when Ramsey and I had nothing when we were growing up, I mean, we had a little bit of something, but we really had nothing other than public land. Um, I know how tough it is, but I also know how tough it is to keep it. And to be able to keep it, you have to look at things. And I think that's what we do struggle with is like when you're out filming, like you, like it would be nice to have someone there, but you don't want to bring another person because that's how people get their foot in the door. They're like, hey, I'll come film for you. Right. And then the next thing you know, it's hey, what if I uh, what if I did some hunting? You know, like what if I did some, uh, what if I came out and shot a deer or something like that? And and then it just gets like down the lane, and what? Well, what's that like for you to just look over at me and Sean and we're both I know. looking at her watching? <laughs> I, I I always know that. No, I have a question to ask you guys. Actually, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> actually, I have a question to ask you guys. Why do you think there's a cockiness that comes like even with what you just said? There's a cockiness that comes behind people discussing their private land access. Why do you think that is? It goes back to the elementary school days. But look what I have that you don't have. Well, I think it goes back to something primal. You know, it's just like, I get to do this. You don't get to do it. I've earned this. But even if you... With my Rolls Royce. Exactly. Like, even if you say it as, you know, non-confrontational, non dominating as you possibly can there's i've talked to people but out people there. are going to hate us right now for even mm -hmm. talking about the fact that we hunt on private land i know yeah. but why what is that because, because they, they can't 
can but what they what I like to try to say like what I try to show is that not only did we grow up only hunting public land we still only like we a lot of realms I just shot an elk land. on public land exactly my first elk was on public land I think and most of yours or have you ever shot one on public land uh, no. no okay sorry but still you guys hunt public land wow, a lot to make me look like a I, I just couldn't remember. I just couldn't remember. Yeah, but the thing is, too, like, let's let's benefit from this conversation more if we can. We have a good friend, Chad Logger, shot his very first elk the same day in the same moment that I did on public land. I mean, now, would you consider BMA as public land? Uh, yes. Which is, for those of not Montana's block management, yeah, sign-in. So Ramsey and I hunted block management for most of our lives. That was sign-in. That was... It's public land. It's... Right. Everyone's able so to I go do it. I guess technically everything up until... Yeah, so most of our deer... Most of our mule deer have been... 17. Yeah, most of our mule deer have been public land deer then. But, but I just... There's not really, state or BLM. Maybe it's because I'm too versed in the, in the private land, you know, mentality, mainly because... You know, I moved here. I met Ramsey. We became, all of us became friends, things like that. But the opportunity was there, you know? Like, it, it wasn't like you were just given this. You have done a lot of things to m gain that access. But I just want to know as somebody that's like, and you, and you know, the funny thing is too, is like the guys that, that are pissed off about this are the guys that, have had this public land spot for a long time and it sucks for them because now it's overpopulated. And now those are the guys that are like, God, these guys who hunt private land are just such, you know, posers and things like that. And it's like, it's tough because I get it, dude. Well, it's you know like, what a lot of people also get, Sean, is they had private land, lost it. Someone else gets to hunt it now. That's the other people that get really... That's true. And really I, frustrated. And that, that happens too. And I just, I just really having that public land, like, do you feel different when you're hunting public versus private? Do you feel any different? No, I go at it the same way. The only reason that I would feel any significant difference is because I know when we're hunting Narnia that no one else is going to be there. And, and that's exactly it. I mean, I don't plan for, like, if I'm going to public land, I'd be like, all right, we need to wake up early so we can get to this spot before anybody else does and then i mean even when you're out there and you see somebody else you're like all right we need to make a game plan and change off of this it, it's just it's planning I think about this too changes we are a hundred percent public land fishermen it's the same thing you're doing the same stuff what do we just do ramsey and i went on a fishing trip every morning we went out it was get up super early so you could try to be the first ones there and hike as far as you could get in there. It's the same principles that you would use for hunting as you would use that we use for. I mean, we're a hundred percent public land fishermen. I, I don't even know if I've ever hunted or fished private land. Maybe one pond, yeah, one time. One. Yeah. No. It, I just feel like fishing gets a different rep from it, you know, because well, probably because most of fishing is public. Ninety-five percent of fishing is public. In, yeah. In well, unless okay, I guess you could look at it from a form of like getting private access to certain things would be nice. Like there's a spot that we fish that, you know, if I didn't have to hike in four miles and then right, hike four miles back out, that would be, that's you know, the, that's, I, that's the only difference though, is because you do have that quick access to be able to, you know, fast track that four mile hike. But 
if you didn't and you really wanted to fish that spot, use that high water mark and you can get there. No, that's what I'm saying is like, I, I do wish sometimes that when I go in four miles on the high water mark that I could get to a certain piece of private land and be like, Hey dude, can I like hop in your truck and drive back instead of having to go all the way? Because, and this is obviously different for everybody. There's some spots I have where you could fish it back. You probably catch fish fishing the holes on the way back, but sometimes you kind of blow them out on the way in. So like your walk back is not as fun as your walk in. No. And I, I, I understand the, you know, the guy that has the problems with people, private land hunting, just like you said, it is like, do you feel like you'd feel the same if that was, if you were in that, if you were in the position where all you could do, you had zero access to any private land. How, what do you think your position would be? I've been that I've been there before. Literally I have. And no, I didn't feel, I, I personally, I did not feel that more like a, Man, that would be nice, but yeah, what I'm gonna do you know, like I wasn't, it wasn't, but like you said, though, I really do feel like those guys are like, those are the snobby rich kids, you know what I mean? Like, it's not that way. Like, if people truly understand, which this is not the case for all private land access that people have, it is truly not. But in the case of ours and a lot of guys that I know, is hard work goes into maintaining that relationship to be able to or getting do, the relationship right to be able to do what we do or what other people do on private land and i don't think it's it goes with a lot of things people can have arguments about a ton of different things about this but so there's a lot of people in this world that are familiar with of course whitetail hunting turkey hunting whatever now i think what's unique to montana and also a lot of the rocky mountain front states is elk hunting and what's unique to montana as a whole is and which sucks for most Montanans is getting a tag to shoot a bull. What percentage of you do you think of the state is draw draw only for bull? Probably 70%. Quite a bit. 65%. Yeah. You have to draw to get a bull. My mentality, and I don't know what your guys' is, but if I've gotten lucky, I've drawn my archery tag two or three years in a row. Uh, of course, you guys know I've only capitalized on one once in my entire life. Um, but if I don't get that tag this year, which is very possible because they're giving out less and less tags, what's my next step? My only step, which is any other Montana's only step, is to go to the public land and hunt bulls in the Forest Service. In the and that's what I'll go do. General areas. That's what I'll go do. It is true. I mean, it really is an underlying factor in those guys that have that mentality that it's the snobby guys get to go hunt the private land, but I'm, you know, I'm going to go hunt this one creek bottom on this national forest that I've hunted for five years. You know, that's the problem that happens is that it's not just the attitude of the private land guys. It's the drawing in Montana that causes these guys because yeah, let's say they have, you know, access to a region that is a draw only for bulls, but they don't draw it. Guess where they're going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, they still want to go out and fill their A-tag. They're not going to sit at home and maybe go out to that private land and just shoot a cow. Maybe there's some guys like that. But yeah. guys like us, we want to fill an A-tag versus a B-tag. And I just couldn't imagine myself missing out on a screaming bull. You know what I mean? Right. And it's that's the archery. Even if, even if you're the guy that doesn't have a preference on shooting or filling your A or B-tag, at the same time, your general tag is both. If a guy's out there and he decides he's got private land access, doesn't draw a tag, 
but he wants to go public. If he goes out public hunt or public land hunting, there's a chance that he might be in screaming bulls, fill his general tag, but shoot a cow. Yeah. You know, like that's the biggest thing. It's not there's like a, there's a good chance if I'm making the trip to go to the mountains, even if the fact that I've shot bull, uh, shot, I've shot bulls, I shot guess. bull. <laughs> um, if I'm archery hunting, and this may be a lot different for everybody else, but if I have to go to the mountains and I'm archery hunting and a cow comes out at 10 yards, dude, I'm really having a hard time. Yeah. Because again, Ramsey and I, eat, we live off that, dude. Yeah. We're already like, we're uh, like uh, an elk and a half down. Already, maybe. Like, we live off that shit. And so, yeah, I'd have a hard time not not letting an arrow fly. For sure. And, you know, like, circling back to our social media stuff, I know a lot of guys from, you know, like, where I grew up that uh, they post annually pictures after September archery season passes. And they basically their caption to their Instagram post is a to the picture as a cow is I said last year, next year, whatever walks in front of me at the appropriate range with a good enough shot, I'm going to pull the trigger. And there's a lot of guys out there that do that, where if it's a cow that walks out at, like you said, 10 yards they're they don't hesitate. They're not out there because they need to shoot the bull, things like that. Now, if I draw that private land, tag my mentality may change a bit but it's all based off of opportunity right right and so how many times am i going to go out and do this opportunity no if i know i'm going to go three weekends in a row probably not shooting a cow but as far as something with horns i just we all know how much hard work and effort like and the small percentage of people in the world that get a arrow with a broadhead kill shot through a bull elk you know, the biggest thing is what with what you just said is it doesn't matter the number of days that you think you can hunt on this private land. If you're an avid enthusiast with hunting and elk hunting in September, why are you going to draw your bow back on a cow on a private land section that you are available to hunt? That is just not that's. That's not something you you would do. You if you're yeah. the only guy or maybe a couple guys that is hunting on it, you're out there, you're focusing on shooting a bull. Why else why else would you why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? What is holding yeah. you back from doing that? I don't know. I just think that and this this conversation always goes wild because like opportunity is such a different thing for everybody, right? And so like I can't sit here and preach one way or the other, but like my theory will always just be like if i draw a special draw tag in montana wherever that is whether it's where i'm hunting now hunting uh again you reference the missouri breaks um special draw places i'm probably going to give myself a week or two before i would shoot a cow or something and then i would put in you know i would think to myself if i'm on my third week archery hunting do i want to come back here maybe and rifle hunt during rifle season, then I might shoot my cow then. I don't know. I think it all depends on like what's your going on in your life. I don't know. Shoot, Maybe your wife got pregnant like four months ago and maybe you can't like go hunting as much as you normally can. So maybe that changes your mindset. But for me, if I get a special draw tag, I'm probably being a little bit more like, you know, I want to shoot a more mature animal. You know what I mean? Uh, more try to get, you know, a bull because I just, I know there's people in Montana that shoot bulls every year. 
but they are so low, such a low percentage, man. I think I know more people that have never shot an elk in their life than have shot bulls every year. Oh, and you know, for sure too, because, you know, just to, what? Just to, uh, essentially back what I was saying, sorry, I'm getting a phone call currently. Um, but just to back what I was saying about why wouldn't you utilize your private land access with an ATAG is, I mean, honestly, how many private land accesses do you think that people get in Montana? The percentage of the special draw ATAG for those private lands is a lot higher than a private land access that you get that is just a general tag where you can go out and shoot a bull or a cow. That's the main reason that I think most guys that have that private land access, they're like, I need to fill an ATAG because... I just drew this A-tag. You know what I mean? And a lot of things go into perspective too, dude. The first thing you might see might be, a, you know, people always say like the, th- the first thing they're going to see is going to be like a cow or a small bull. <laughs> I don't know. I've been on a lot of adventures where the first thing that came out was a big bull or a big oh, yeah. mule deer or something. Oh, yeah. So maybe that's your first opportunity anyways. Yeah. But uh, let's, let's round this up. Basically, I think that in conclusion, um, I think we're all on the same page as far as the original question goes. Um, we would still be hunting if we didn't, you know, if we weren't being able to show people. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that we stand along those lines of, uh, we just, we preach all the time. Hunting is, and being in the outdoors is something you just can't, you can't, you couldn't make it in a movie. You couldn't write it. You couldn't do anything like that. And so I thought that was interesting. I'm kind of crazy. It got us on quite the tangent here. Um, we've eaten up a big portion of the uh, time tonight. Did you want to talk at all? about where we were last weekend or like what we were doing. Not we really. I, I just, we went on our annual, one of our annual fishing trips. We have several of them, you know, springtime for some reason, it seems like for fly fishing trips, spring, it always eats mm-hmm. like, we're, like we're not doing as much in the summer, which is kind of weird, but like the springtime, we're basically fly fishing only. Everything's hungry. Yeah. Yeah. And Out I, of that winter slumber, I think we talked about like last year we got spoiled. Oh yeah, for sure. we were catching fish out of every hole, and this year it was tough. Um, we went we went a lot of casting and no no catching. Yeah, I mean, personally, I hooked into five different fish, didn't land a single one of them, which is always heartbreaking. I mean, you'd like to think that you're a hundred percent, but you never really are. And then you ended up with you hooked into about just well, like, I went a long time without anything, and then, um. I was fishing a spot where that's a, the always thing that the thing that always gets me with streamer fishing is like, and I've watched like guys that I've gone fishing with. They'll like sometimes just while they're going, like I'm a guy that when I'm going down the river, I will, um, what is happening? Don't worry about what's happening. Just keep going. This thing, the thing that's happening right now is not really happening. Is it? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Can't wait to hear this. Um, He's going to talk. You might as well just go. All right. Anyway. um, Where was I at? Oh, I'm the kind of guy that I see holes, right? And I'm going to fish the holes and I'm going to skip everything else, right? I don't know if that's how you are. Um, But Sean is trying so hard to be discreet right now. Sean, just go to the bathroom. I'm going to go.
Guys, I just want you to know that what just happened was Sean was about to pee in a bottle on the set of the podcast. That's dedication, baby. That's dedication, but it's also repulsive. <laughs> and I wish you would just go to the bathroom. <laughs> Thank you. So now I can be undistracted by you trying to pee next to me. Um, <laughs> so what I started doing is when we start moving, I'll start whipping that streamer instead of just tying it up, you know? And I was literally fishing a spot that I didn't think I was going to catch anything. And then you guys walked up on me as I caught it. And then I got a little cocky, lost him right at the bank. Um, and then we went a long ways without catching fish again. And then I landed a pretty, I, I would say a good fish. Um, and then, uh, you know, we were with Josh and Josh, of course, caught fish as he always does. That's what Josh does. And then we, we, him and I hooked into like several and I don't know like why we kept losing fish. I don't know if they were just biting light or if we were just rusty. I, I don't know, but we were losing a lot of fish. Oh, for sure. But I will say I enjoyed the experience. We, we ended up not fishing on Sunday, which was Alturas. Alturas cabins. Alturas. We stayed at Alturas to cabins and that which, was, which is run by, uh, a guy we interviewed, uh, Nick. Oh yeah. Nick from downstream, uh, yeah, downstream where he owns these cabins, and man, Phenomenal, I really, I really thought it was fun. We watched some movies. We, uh, yeah, because Sean's back from, from the bathroom. Um, we really. That sounds really good without Sean's mic on there. I can really appreciate when you're with a small group of close friends, and you get to do the like, you know, you get up, hop in the truck, go into town, get some breakfast, um. And then you head out, do your fishing trip, and you come back. And like we went and ate at like a really nice restaurant, mm-hmm. um, had some appetizers, some drinks, just enjoy each other's company. You know, came back to this nice hotel or Airbnb, and then uh, watched a movie. Like I just I enjoy that a lot. That's a memory. You know, the yeah. whole experience. Over. I got some nice pictures from you guys too. Yeah. And like that cabin that you guys are Airbnb that you guys are staying at is it like was pleasantly. I I, I won't say surprising is not the right word because i just and getting to know nick i know he's pretty pretty smart good dude but i was amazed at the quality of these cabins for being out in the middle of nowhere would you guys say this that area that you know where the airbnbs and the cabins are located is kind of like a hole in a wall yeah um kind of i mean it's a destination place for it's in between town and a hole in the wall yeah it's okay. a big hunting community, actually. What are you doing? Sorry, I just rolled a cord on the ground, but uh, it's a big, it's a big destination hunting area. So I always, I kind of wonder if he runs. I don't know if he opens them during the winter or not, and gets that kind of crowd. But uh, for what we did, it was perfect. Now you could have done really, you could have had, you could have had a fifth guy, you know, air mattress in the room we were in. I, I, I actually never went and looked at the the room they were in. A full size room. It, yeah, with like a what was it, a queen bed or something? Queen or yeah, probably. Queen. Okay. Um, I mean, you could definitely. You could have slept on the couch. Two people on the bed that I was on. But I don't even know. Maybe it's only advertised for four people. So I don't, I want to be like, hey, bring (laughs) (laughs) bring eight people to this dude's Airbnb. But um, no, it was really, it was peaceful too, man. We went and sat. There was like a deck outside. It was quiet. We went and sat out there. It was, I don't know, man. Sometimes. Door locked us out. Yeah, there was a a self locking door. So let me ask you guys this on that trip. Did you guys feel the strain of the, intellect that comes with fly fishing did you guys feel like you oh yeah yeah we, we we were switching flies very often like almost every hole you reached your intellectual you know capacity 
on fly fishing. What's well, another place that's a big hike? You know, it's a big hiking uh, trip, right? So you're you're trying to, you know, that's the frustrating part. You go three miles in, and then you know, you're not catching shit. And you're like, man, like part of you wants to say out loud, like, did I just hike? I mean, eventually you're doing six miles, right? They just do six miles for nothing. But then you realize, like, man, I could have been at home. How do you? How do you? Uh, how do you individually um, bring yourself out of that mentally? What do you do? Like, what do you do as an outdoorsman to bring? Well, there is certain points where, at the end of the day, I am ready to go. Um, if it's not working, it's not working. But I'm gonna keep trying. You know, I just, I just don't get a, I don't get to do it enough. You know. I, I say that as I get to do it like every weekend, but like, I wish I could do it every day, you know? And I don't know. I, we stay pretty positive. I mean, there gets some cranky. I mean, we get kind of old lodge crew member. Josh gets, gets cranky fish, cranky fish. Uh, what is going on with you right now? What? He had a massive stroke. No, I was trying to come up with a good cranky. word here. Cranky fish, uh, syndrome. You know, if we're not catching yeah. fish, he gets cranky. Yeah. Uh, that does happen. And it gets a little, uh, a little hostile, but uh, we, we we roll out of it. Ramsey countered not fishing by sitting on an ice block for about 45 minutes and just let me and Josh keep going down the road. It was nice. I had some snacks. But uh, I don't know. I, I was, I think that actually what helped me too is I caught a pretty big, like the one fish I landed was pretty big. So like I kind of oh, yeah. made it. It was, weekend. it was a good size brownie. I mean, for sure. Yeah, I've been doing, it's weird. I like historically, and I was talking to Josh about this, like I, in my life, I haven't caught a lot of brown trout, you know, because I, I usually catch rainbows and stuff where I go. And um, the last, like, year and a half, two years, I can't, like, I, this is going to sound so, like, annoying, but, like, I just, I would rather catch rainbows now because it's, like, I'm catching, I've caught, like, some good ra- some good browns in the last, like, two three months. And it's, like, I kind of want to catch a rainbow again. Yeah. Like, I want to see, I, I'm a guy that, like, See, I'm the variety. Opposite. Even though how much like my fishing background, um, doing all those, you know, backcountry um, fly fishing trips that I go on hikes, things like that. I, the majority of the fish that I caught was cutties, yeah, and rainbows. I have, I could honestly tell you that I have probably caught maybe twenty brown trout in my life. That's exactly where I was at leading up until like the last three years. And all of a sudden it's like, it's, I can't catch anything else. I even went to a place that's like half rainbow, half browns a couple weeks ago. I did catch one rainbow, but the bigger one was a brown, of course. Would you feel though? I have a weird ratio of. I probably caught hundreds of brook trout. Like, oh, uh, yeah. So, like, brook trout. I, I don't, I don't really, I'm going to be honest. I don't really necessarily categorize brook trout in the same. Unless you catch, like, I've been some places where you catch some hog. Right. Right. Obviously, size wise. But I mean, honestly, the biggest brook trout in this room between the three of us caught is probably nothing special. Uh, probably not crazy. But yeah. like, but again, like, my rainbow and browns growing up were not very big <laughs> until the last couple of years. But I'm the kind of guy. Like, see, that's what I'm saying. I'm just going to sound privileged when I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm tired of catching these 25-inch browns. Uh, it sounds arrogant, but what you I'm trying... didn't sound arrogant until you added the inches in it. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, like, I'm the kind of guy that I wish that every time I brought something out of the water, it was a different fish. You know what I'm saying? I just like no, seeing I different that, stuff. Sure. You know, I, I'm going to be honest. I can't totally agree with that. And the only reason why is because I Depends have... Depends on the day. 
No, I have not found anything that can beat a pike on a fly. That is truly the only thing. Well, I have never done that as a dream of mine. That is truly like the... I've caught 25-inch rainbow trout on a fly and browns. Um, but... Uh, no, do you think I, that do you think that twenty five inch brown trout is like like referring to like a twenty five inch trout is like referring to like a three twenty plus bull? It's like the same thing. <sighs> no, that is tough to say. Because like think about it. like okay, so they're not in the same class, right? Let's say three fifty. When you when I feel like when people talk about elk, everything is based off like oh, it's almost a three fifty. So you're saying essentially with what you're saying, do you think anything over thirty as far as trout goes is like a Yes, I think that's like a four hundred. But what inch. I'm saying is like I feel like people always reference like twenty five, twenty six inches. Yeah, oh yeah. Like that's the reference point. Like whereas like an elk of reference points like a three fifty. But the problem is those like I've seen like a lot of guys that I know I've seen. I mean, like you're saying every weekend doing this, you know, in the in the right season, I've seen guys every weekend show me pictures of five plus rainbows and browns that are over 25 inches and they're different fish I know. and that's what i'm saying is like i feel good that i caught that big fish last weekend yeah and i felt good about like the fish i'm catching on fly rod till i talked to these guys at the bar a couple weeks ago and they're showing me pictures of like eight nine pound browns that they're catching like every other cast yeah and i'm just like well i'm just i can't i've compete. never i've never been somebody that like sits down and like as far as like fishing goes like been the guy that you would know that goes out and catches like monster fish all the time oh neither of us i mean i fishing for me has always been i'm still learning every day so like that's what's my excitement right maybe i'll get to that point someday where the only thing that'll excite me is big fish but I it's think, not like your knowledge though that you have like like let's say that you were a master of fly fishing it's not like that helps you in any way to catch a nine pound brain right? no but i think even if i was a master fly fisherman and like i was the sage of all fly fishermen a freaking six-inch brookie off of a cat, I don't care, caddis in the mountains would still give me excitement. Right. And I mean, isn't it funny, Just though, being able to... Isn't it really funny, though, that you think about that... There's a certain... Do that sound effect again? <coughs> there's, a, there's a certain girth to a fish that ends the, ends the whole, like, I'm excited for a fish... But then I'm like really fucking excited for a fish, you well, know. That's what they say, you know. It's always about length; it's about girth. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Anyway, what I was getting at, though. Sorry. You can catch a multiple number of 15 to 18 inch trout, and you're excited as shit because, like, you know, you catch one of those in a day, you're excited. And what do they refer to that to in your in your land of eating fish? What is a you know, usually a 14 to 18 inch fish. Oh, it's like a hammer handle? I don't know what they call that. It's like, that's an eater fish. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, it's a sandwich. So most people are really looking for oh, yeah. that size of it's fish. It's a sandwich. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is like, what? why is it to that point where it's like, you know, you're excited as shit, right? And in that moment, you don't think you could be any more excited. You caught a 18 inch, let's call it a two and a half, three pound rainbow, right? Good size fish. Yeah. And you're excited as shit. You couldn't, you you wouldn't feel like you're going to be any more excited, but then you hook onto a, a 32 inch, uh, you know, like a seven and a half pound uh, brown trout. You're going to be like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's life changing. Do you know what I think it's like very easily compared to? 
and I guess you like you guys don't do like particularly go out and do shed hunting hardcore. Like we've kind of started doing that as a group in the last couple of years. But like I don't know why this is keeps doing that, but um I can compare fishing to shed hunting in a lot of ways because like every time I pick up a shed, I freaking love it because they're hard to find. Oh, but when I find that giant one, it brings me so much. It's like, the same. It's the same mentality for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's just like, like a fish to me, and a fish. A fish is like combining shed hunting and combining elk hunting. This is these are so crazy like analogies here, but I'm tricking an animal to believe me that they're going to come into my elk call and I'm going to harvest them. I'm fishing. I'm using a little feathers and twine and all that stuff to trick a fish to come out of its hole and eat me that's the, something about that is just like so like like it just gives me a rush it is, oh yeah i mean that it they all go hand in hand man i mean they're really i do. think that's why we do all of them oh yeah because like i'm saying those like your excitement by shooting a 140 inch mule deer or just shooting a meal why deer do you think general? i love gardening sean yeah, oh don't even <laughs> I don't, don't want to hear even. anything. You never it. know, dude. I might get a Stop giant it. potato. Stop it. Okay. But what I'm saying is, is it's funny that like you, your intro to your excitement in any situation in hunting and fishing is always the same. It's the ending that varies. Yeah. I mean, realistically. No, you're right. Because you shoot, let's be honest, in any scenario where you're ready to shoot a deer or an elk or an antelope or a moose sheep or goat, in those moments, maybe outside of some of them where you got to be specific on the size, stuff like that. But let's just take antelope and elk and deer in the same. Your mental state on the size of the animal is not accurate in those previous moments up until you pull the trigger. It truly is not. Unless, you know, you've done a very... In, Hunting's hard to talk about it, but fishing wise, because how many times you hooked onto something and been like, "This is a giant," and you pull it in yeah. and it's a dink, you or know? Or it's I mean? foul hooked or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. And but like, it's harder to take this mentality into hunting, but you still can because in some moments when you are calling an elk in and you get a glimpse of some brown come through the trees, it's not like you're sitting there and you're like, "I need it to be a three hundred eighty inch or elk," you yeah. know? It's I see brown coming through the Whatever trees. Whatever that thing's going to be is going to be yeah, exciting. Yeah, exactly. And so at that moment, like I'm saying, at the end is when you finally, which it could be negative too, because yeah. you could have- Someone say the climax. Yeah, you could have shot at a mule deer at 350 yards and killed it one shot. Never had a true good glimpse of the sheds or body size, anything like that. What did you just say? What did you just call them? Sheds. Horns? Well, animals? the same thing. No, sheds are what's on the ground. <sighs> You're going to get ripped in the comments. It's just ignorant, Sean. It's, you guys knew what I meant. I know. I know what you mean. I'm just saying you're going to get ripped. It's not. I'm not going to get ripped. It's not that big of a deal. Sean, what's That's on your shirt? Right what's on your shirt right now? What is that? A horn. Nope. <laughs> what is that, Ramsey? An antler. God. <laughs> Can you say what I want you to say, please? No. That is a shed. It is the remnants of... That disperse. Wait, let me let me explain what, this. What is on Sean's no, no, no. no, hat? It's the remnants of a ungulates. Actually, scientifically, dis 
dis, uh, dis, no. dis scientifically bozel. that's uh somehow a bone and geog- uh rock com- it's combination it's a bone let's circle back all right let's go back to what let's, i was saying though up. let's wrap this up yeah let, can i finish what i was saying yeah yeah no, that's what i'm saying absolutely but like i'm saying though there can be negatives yeah. obviously we've most of us have been there but it's the climax of the situation that changes Right. The beginning is always the same. Yeah, I agree. I think that, yeah. I don't know, man. We're just always drove. I think like the four of us are always driven by external things that like people don't even think about. Just because maybe it's like experience, but it's also just like, I don't know. I think this was like a conversation that like everything was kind of wrapped up in itself. Whether it's talking about, do we do this for, you know, the social media clout, you know, or the spiritual things, you know? It's all one big circle, and I think we've really put our foot down on what we stand for. I think, I think that's a good way. Do you have anything else from the fishing trip that I like caught your eye besides the the chair that we bought? I actually have a question. That's another time. Sean didn't even hear about that. We'll tell him. I actually have a question for you guys. Yeah, what's up? Um, this is something that uh, can it, it's relevant to any outdoors. Um, experience you know on trips did you guys see that your attitude every morning that you were there changed or do you feel like it it stayed the same Mm -hmm. from the night you got there to the first morning to the second morning like for excitement to get out and do it no just like you're you're essentially your mentality for the trip did you see that decline or did you maintain? A long time ago, I decided with fly fishing that, uh, and honestly with hunting as well, that uh, I'm going to go into it with the lowest of expectations every single time. That way I am just get the most excitement out of every trip. And it kind of works. And I think that, to be honest with you, Sunday we didn't fish. Like we should have, but we were tired and we slept, slept in and it was nice. Which, I mean, that comes with any trip but i just feel like a lot of the times you can see decline in mentality as that next morning comes along you know what i mean oh yeah and i have talked we've had we told a story one time about a a trip that i went with uh josh and a good friend cody where you know that motivation declined by the end of the day and had we kept our motivation and kept our drive we would have got into elk the next morning but we didn't even get up We've, so yeah, Ramsey and I have had similar experiences, but it's just funny to think about though, because you guys have all been, like, we've all been there where you wake up the next morning, and you're like, why am I here? Oh, it's just like when you guys like, I mean, I kind of talked to you guys out of going shed hunting, you know, at seven o'clock in the morning, <laughs> that one morning, because like, I just want to. Well, play. I mean, that's that a, a little bit different because it doesn't, we, we're not benefiting. But I think there was times where you guys went antelope hunting last year where I said I was going to go with you and then I got it. I just didn't. You never did. Yeah. Yeah. That was like the was day, that laziness. That was, was like that? the day that I shot my antelope. That was the same thing. Was I sleeping in that morning? Yeah. Was I out of town? No, you were sleep. You were sleeping. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll be different this year. But no, it's just it's kind of a Sorry. it's just kind of a cool thing to think about though because we. How do you keep that motivation though? If you're know. losing it. Got to be a very positive person because I wish you were sponsored by Mountain Ops so I can be like <laughs> your energy. <laughs> but like, I mean, re- like. You see Hold on, this. Brothers is not affiliated. Do it for me. Oh my gosh! Continue. You, you, you see this more so with the guys that 
and like us that we've gone on. I mean, look at Elk Camp last year. Our motivation, your motivation dropped. Mine did. As those days, it's those. Yeah, it's but were you having draining... sat- were you having Friday Saturday night late night sessions? No, no, really, no, we I didn't. But I just feel like with the group you guys are with, that could have been a possibility. Yeah, but we didn't really hang with the group we were with. That was the difference. I mean, we did a couple times, and yeah, it was a lot of fun, things like that. There's obviously different moments within Elk Camp that change things, but I'm I'm talking like when you're on a true like backcountry hunt and you're sleeping on the ground and staring at the stars hiking 15 miles a day or you know okay let's be honest here let's hiking eight plus miles a day that next morning is real fucking hard to get up you know what i mean and that's that's why i want to implement the perfect hunting schedule one on one off (laughs) one on one off, or at least just the mornings off. Hear it from Riley, the industry standard <laughs> union schedule. We can still hunt one o'clock to to shooting light, right? But it's just kind of funny because nobody. I don't feel like a lot of people really truly talk about like your internal struggles that you have on those kind of trips. And it's, no, it's tough because you're the only. I mean, outside of somebody being super positive that's with you and you being able to drag you out of the weeds is is tough. But like, did you have this when we did our ice fishing trip this year? Can this relate to that? No, I I don't think it can because that was a different scenario. That let's be honest here. That ice fishing trip wasn't necessarily <clears throat> precursor wise. Yes, catch fish, but as it evolved, was not like we're here to fish. That's different. And your fly fishing trip could be the same way in a sense. You, it's it's obviously uh, um, peer based on how you how you determine your mentality. But like in those situations though, where like I'm talking like those backcountry elk or deer hunts, you can't have any other mentality besides like get the job done. And that's the question where I mainly am like, how do you talk yourself out of that? You know? And that that's when it becomes tough. Yeah, you get that Goggins mentality. You have to. You have to. Well that was great. Uh thank you everybody for letting us do when it's just the three of us we just go tangent city um i like it i think it's fun i did i think it's different you know it's a little change we talk about this all the time a little change of pace you know last week we did a really awesome interview a little bit different atmosphere and this week we just got to talk about whatever and it's fun and it's not really like it was explicit or anything like a logic or thing it was fun it was fun to talk about different stuff you know one thing i want to put in there is uh we never really talked about uh our shed hunt too much yeah, we did. I think you did last we week. Did we did a did little, but the one thing I didn't, I we didn't mention last week, or I didn't at least, is uh, Ramsey would personally have kicked the living shit out of Ramsey in in uh, hunting season last year on that hike. <laughs> as far as physical fitness goes? Yes. That's good. He kicked the shit out of... Did you have a noticeable, as far as the the... The fly fishing trip was it? Was there a noticeable difference? No, it was a piece of cake. I was like, like I, you know, what I mean, like the school. I know, but like, was there a noticeable difference? Like, could you tell? Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, what about like the two of us? I fit my waders a lot better. I know, but I'm just saying, like, as far as like it went down, did it seem different? Like, even on my end. I mean, you went last year. We were waiting on you, and 
this year you were like leading the pack. So you know the the cool thing that I take away from that shed hunting trip was we sat down at one moment just taking a break, and Ramsey said to me, "He goes, you know, I used to." run out of breath before my muscles got tired and he goes now i'm i'm the opposite my muscles are tired and i'm i still have breath to go Mm -hmm. and that was a big thing for sure i think the thing that we still have to like get to the point of is like that day after like i wish that i could the day after like i can i feel like we can physically fit do the stuff now but it's like the day after i just your recovery is shit my recovery is awful like I just, I'm pretty worthless the next day, like at work or anything. But no, that's a cool Ramsey. I'm glad that I'm glad that Sean got to notice even that you're working on yourself. It's glad, it's cool that we're actually kind of accomplishing something this year instead of just letting it go to the waste. Makes him happier too, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you guys want to talk about what you're wearing right now? Yes. All right, guys, stand up, stand up. That's not an option for me, but. Check it out. Check it out. We've been waiting to display the new gear. Um, Jeez, I'm like getting- the podcast listeners are hearing it first, but everyone else, you're going to see, I think we'll be able to have our advertising for the new Bull Mountain Brothers clothing line. Uh, and this is outside of, this isn't podcast merch. This is legitimate. BMB. This, this color right here. BMB clothing line is dropping right now. So uh, get ready for that. Come, hold on. <coughs> um, uh, just just for all you people that like this color better than Sean's color, that's too bad. There's only two Ramsey of these. special order to color for himself. Uh, but yeah, narcissism. Is, I we just wanted to show you tonight. All people problems for our YouTube listeners. Like this is just what you have looking forward to once it drops on the website. But yeah. this is a legitimate like we're starting to start like our own actual company, clothing company um, that does seasonal. You know, we've talked about this before. We're doing drops every you know, three to three weeks to five weeks to two months of, you know, different designs and stuff like that. This isn't, it's not going to stall out. This logo is our first drop. We sat down as a company and picked this. Um, We have, did you end up posting that? What's um, that? That collage you made of all? No, I was going to wait till. uh, Okay. But anyway, um, we have a ton of logos that we have done a lot of hard work on and we are going to be scheduled for time of season. And, you know, we got a good idea what, what we want to bring to everybody. And it's, we got a lot of logos. We got a lot of ideas on different styles we're going to bring to you. And it's going to be a, it's going to be really cool. Yeah. I'm very excited for it. We actually just picked those up today, so we'll get uh, we'll get the next part of our order in next week, and that's probably when all the advertisement uh, advertisement for this is going to come out. So, yeah. Um, other than that, I don't think we really have anything crazy to talk about. <laughs> that's kind of like the big news we've been kind of foreshadowing for a couple of weeks, but there's still a couple of other things that we can't talk about yet that are coming up in line here but we'll uh we'll probably probably get to everything honestly all of our april news will probably come out next week that we've been kind of foreshadowing so um thanks for joining us for uh, a good bullshit tangent session um check out our awesome sponsors and uh we'll catch you on the next one see ya later i just wanted to take a moment of your time to talk to you about one of our sponsors fnh contracting and fence located in billings montana if you're looking to spruce up your yard I want a little more privacy for them summer backyard barbecues, or maybe you just need part of your fence repaired. 
Contact our friends at FNH Contracting and Fence by texting 406-661-7484. From front yards to farm yards and even chain link to vinyl, they've got you covered. Now back to the action. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bull Mountain Brothers. Hey, if you're looking for more Bull Mountain Brothers, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at bull underscore mountain underscore brothers and Facebook and YouTube at Bull Mountain Brothers. Also, don't forget to check out our B&B store at bullmountainbrothers.com where you can find some super sweet deals on some seasonal merchandise and outdoor gear.